Hello, everyone. Another special edition of the Spoiler Room. It's Spoiler Room, well, Ninjas versus the Spoiler Room. And tonight I have Justin Timpain, the man behind the Ninjas versus trilogy. And we are also joined by the diva of the Spoiler Room herself, Dawn. Uh, how are you doing tonight, Justin? I'm great. I'm really excited to be here. Hi, everybody who's listening. <laughs> Well, we are glad to have you. Uh, I finished watching the Ninjas trilogy uh, per dawn. I had actually seen the first one many uh, a few years ago and then revisited them and saw the other two per dawn's insistence, and I'm glad, and I reviewed them on We Live Film. And <laughs> Don kinda... was like, they suck less as you go on. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of wanted to talk to Justin, just shoot this shit about this really interesting uh, trilogy that you don't normally see in indie films. Now, uh, how did, where did the idea for this come about? How did this spawn? Um, it's interesting. We're um, around the D.C. Baltimore area, which is an interesting area to be in right now. Um, yes, I imagine. <laughs> um, uh, but we worked with a, uh, a filmmaker uh, named Don Doler. Um, and his partner, Joe Ripple. There's actually a documentary about him called Blood, Boobs, and Beast, if you've ever seen it. Um, but uh, he was uh, this, this local, back in the 70s and, and early 80s, this like local, basically schlock horror filmmaker. And he knew what he was. He's passed away since then. He actually, his very first film was scored by J.J. Abrams. Oh, a, a claim to fame. Um, but uh, but everyone around here kind of knew him. And uh, my buddy Daniel Ross, um, who plays Kyle in the films, um, but uh, has done a bunch of other stuff. He's the voice of Starscream in, in Transformers: The Game. He's uh, he's like he is just kind of all over the place. He uh, he and I were both trying to make it as actors in like this area, and just not liking the stuff that was being thrown our way. Like feeling like it wasn't giving us kind of what we wanted to do and and so one day we went out um he and my wife and i went out to see of all things the movie clerks 2 um oh. <laughs> and there's a scene at the end of clerks 2 uh where uh where the two main characters dante and randall are in this big argument in a jail cell and 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 kind of bemoaning where their life is and one of them says well if you could do anything what would you do and the other one says i'd buy the quick stop <laughs> um and that uh, that kind of inspired us. We we're like, well, what would we do? We would no longer wait for other people to employ us. We would do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we walked through um, an old archaic uh, tomb of a place called Blockbuster. Um, <laughs> your 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 geriatric <laughs> listeners will remember what that is. Oh, we uh, we, we re- remember Blockbuster. <laughs> um, and uh, and we walked through and we kind of spent an hour and a half looking for the movies that like weren't there. And the movie that wasn't there was uh, was Ninjas vs Zombies. We said we said they're Ninjas movies, they're mashup movies, they're what like what hasn't happened yet. And we said, well, that hasn't happened. So we said, yeah, sure. We don't know what we're doing, but we'll just go make that. Um, <laughs> and so uh, we're happy. We're so proud to say that our first film was funded by major corporations. Um, uh, Visa and MasterCard were kind enough to loan us money at high percentage <laughs> rates, uh, with, with which we bought um, which equipment that at the time was really expensive and now is completely outdated. Um, and that's that's how we started with zombies. Oh, that's that's awesome. So, uh, yeah, it sounds like a, a lot. A number of independent filmmakers are uh, supported by Visa and MasterCard. 
Oh yes, <laughs> no. They and 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 you know, strangely, Visa, Mastercard may be the only ones who profit. <laughs> that's, that's true. Now, uh, you you chose to do the ninjas. Now, uh, what surprised me, in the, especially just starting off with the first ninjas movie, was, in all honesty, what stood out for me the most for an indie film, are the fight scenes. Now, I'm assuming that all of you or the majority of you all have uh, some kind of schooling in martial arts, or it looked really good. Uh, and that's that's why I had to ask because you guys really out of all those those really seem well choreographed and and well executed. Well, as we go through the story of all three films, I'm going to have a different story to tell regarding the fights for all three. Oh, films. okay. Um, uh, uh, the first one, um, in answer to your question, uh, many of us have had some kind of fight experience, whether it is that they're martial artists or, in my case, you know, because I studied theater, I had done stage combat a lot and, and you know, dabbled in martial arts when I was in high school and stuff. But I, um, I am happy to say that anything, anywhere where the films don't work are probably my fault, and anywhere where they do is probably to the credit of the, of the people that I brought with me. Um, mm-hmm. um, if I have a talent, and maybe I don't, but if I do have a talent, it's to it's to find and gather really awesome. Can I can I curse on this? Is that yeah? Okay? Go ahead. Yeah. Really awesome fucking people, um, um, which is different than really awesome people fucking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but so the first film was mostly choreographed um, by two people. Um, uh, Daniel Mascarello, uh, actually three people. Daniel Mascarello, um, who did more later on. Uh, P.J. McGaw, who played Eric in the first film, and it's clear that he know he knows his stuff and he knows sword work. Um, <laughs> uh, and then uh, a guy named Arthur Rowan, who is originally going to be one of the main characters in the film. I'm not going to say who, uh, but uh, took a job instead, uh, doing all of the fight choreography and writing like most of the Pennsylvania Renaissance Festival. Oh wow! Uh, um, and uh, and then he was in the National Tour of Spam a lot. If you saw it in the last three years, you probably saw him. Um, and then he and now he's at Disney. Um, but uh, but he came in and he taught our guys, some of whom had never, like Daniel Ross, who had never fought with a weapon before in his life, um, uh, came in and taught them the basics of fight choreography and how to go in and how to tell a story using. Uh, the choreography. So um, a lot of credit has to be given to him and to PJ and to Mascot for that first film for really coming up with what regular guys who couldn't fight in some cases, like Corey who played Cole had not really done it before. Daniel, our, our main ninjas except for Fitz had not done it before. Really? Um, uh, Fitz, who is in all three movies, is three different people. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, uh, we'll talk about it. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, they, they came in and they did that. And that was uh, that was incredible. And the fact that they so many have gone on to do other much bigger fight things than than us, it's amazing that we got them kind of on the ground floor. Yeah, it, it is. And uh, like I said, those were some of the most memorable uh, stuff. Now, I assume uh, did you have a lot of volunteers for the first film? Uh, you know, because I know it's an independent film, and usually you gather your friends for for a film because they're they're cheap. Uh, so, <laughs> well, you know, I I think that uh, volunteer is a weird word. Um, <laughs> in that in that we all get paid if the film makes money. Sure. Uh, sure. Uh, well, not all of us, but many of us. There were yes. In, in answer to your question, where there are crowd scenes, yes, you were seeing tons of volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for the rest of it, you're seeing a bunch of people who volunteered their time, knowing that they probably wouldn't get paid, but maybe 
Um, <laughs> so the reason I don't want to call some of them volunteers is because a lot of these people are pros. A lot of these people are professionals. Um, yes, I did use my friends, but because uh, at the time I was an actor, I'd been like I've been an actor like started in school plays when I was like like what fifth grade or whatever, and and so all my friends were actors. Like everybody I knew was an actor, and I knew a bunch of really good ones. So um, it's yes, I did bring all my friends, but a lot of my friends already had resumes that were really sure. long. So I was really lucky in that way. Um, uh, and I think that it, I mean I hope that it shows um, one one it shows that they know what they're doing, but two it shows that we're friends uh, because there's there you know the one thing even people who criticize the films they like even people who tear it apart goes but gosh those films have a lot of heart. Um, <laughs> And and I think that's I think that's because like these are people who, like they genuinely genuinely have the love and that that, that makes a difference. Well, I was going to say that the on-screen chemistry is uh, was really impressive as well, especially in the first one. You all just seemed very comfortable with each other, and and the dialogue. I have to admit, I. I other films have put in cultural, pop cultural references, or where they use quotes from movies and such, and it always seemed forced. But with your group, it always seemed like natural. Like this is how you guys talk in your regular day. Uh, was a lot of the dialogue kind of uh, ad libbed, or uh, was it uh, pretty much scripted all the way through? Um, mostly scripted. Um, mm -hmm. We let uh, boy. Can uh, let's do a drinking game, both for all of us and for the <laughs> listeners. How many times I say the name Daniel Ross? Um, because I've said it like five out here. Like I'm drinking, guys. No joke. I'm I'm really drinking. <laughs> um. Uh. But uh, he's the one guy that I kind of let. Sometimes I just turn on the camera and I tell him to go. Mm -hmm. um, and I let him uh, go, but for the most part, it was written. Um, I am a huge like like the two people I love, and you know, boy, I'm in an indie filmmaker camp that no one's in. I like Kevin Smith and Joss Whedon <laughs> uh, because nobody else knows who they are. Um, uh, but I really am. Um, there's a film that nobody's seen though that I really dug. Uh, that's called Free Enterprise, and uh, it's just old film from the 90s essentially about it's a about indie filmmaker friends who are doing things who um, William Shatner's in it and they meet William Shatner and he's a weirdo perusing porn mm -hmm. um, and hilarity <laughs> ensues but one thing they do in that film that I haven't seen them do that much in other films is they will actually take in that film lines from other films and completely reappropriate them for different circumstances so it's not just like hey like, okay, so in the first clerk, somebody walks by and Randall says, "No time for love, Miss. No time for love, Doctor Jones." Jones yeah. And um, and they go by. I don't. I I like that, but I didn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to do like someone comes by and like, "Hey, I'm saying a movie line right now." I'm just like, <laughs> um, in 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 monsters, I actually take like a small speech from Aliens and mm -hmm. I put it in, um, in a conversation. And it's in no way like shouting out, here's our speech from aliens. It totally fits the conversation that we're having. Um, I caught that. I caught that. <laughs> I chuckled um, a little. Um, I, so is it cheating a little bit? Yeah, it's probably cheating a little bit. But it's, it's, it is what we do. It is how we talk. Um, uh, but I wish I, I, in retrospect, I wish I had not been as controlling on the dialogue in the first one uh, because I did give a little more freedom by the time we got to the third. Hi, Don. You haven't said anything for a while. <laughs> I, I tend, to, I do tend to be quiet. I, I um, am used to a group of uh, gentlemen who 
I like to talk a lot. Um, <laughs> I'm, um, glad, actually, I, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> actually. Okay, um, that's enough for you, John. What do you want to say, Martin? No, I'm kidding. No. I, uh, I, I, getting back to the fight scenes, I know there's an, uh, a story I, I, in the commentary about uh, one of your volunteers who uh, was an amputee. Oh, and zombies. Yeah. yeah the leg guy. The leg Love guy, yeah. Um, I, uh, so I did not, so I, doing a film like Zombies, especially with no experience, um, uh, and when I look back, I'm embarrassed. First of all, they, like, I love Ninjas vs. Zombies. I'm going to be the first one to say that. If you can find a copy somewhere, and it's hard oh, to do right I now. own all three. Um, <laughs> I, not you. I know you do. I mean, you, the listener. Um, <laughs> I, I, I the, the royal you. Um, I recommend that you do because it is it is of all the films that has the most heart. It really really does. It has it's it's a sweet little movie about zombies. Um, uh, in that film, um, there is and I'm going to get back to the amputee guy in a second. Um, uh, but to exemplify what a what a different filmmaker you become after doing it, the, there's a scene in a comic shop where somebody walks across the room and has a conversation mm-hmm. um, with his brother. That scene, I shot for two days. And now I would shoot that scene in like three hours because <laughs> there are other things to do. You don't have time, you don't have money, and you're going to sacrifice it later. Um, uh, so when you get to the larger scenes, like the scene that she's talking about, there's a scene where essentially I wanted to do, even though we're on a budget, I desperately wanted a shot where our ninjas were basically running into a sea of zombies. It's like wide shot where one's running on the left, one's running on the right, and they smash into each other like the wargs in Lord of the Rings is what I was kind of going for. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that scene, uh, people just showed up. And it was like a 90-degree <laughs> day in the, middle, in the middle of the summer, and I told everybody to wear long sleeves <laughs> and cover themselves, <laughs> and I'm not kidding, uh, washable Crayola paint. Um, because it was cheap and it washed off of the clothes. <laughs> um, uh, some people got rashes. Some people got heat stroke. Um, uh, but this guy came, and and I am you know as as profanely as I write, and uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about the podcast too. But as as like dirty minded, as dirty mouthed as I am on the podcast, even like a guy shows up and can do that. And I'm like, are we sure? <laughs> Is this okay? And, and he was totally game. Um, and so it was just like one of those, I couldn't believe it. I was like, okay, I guess we're doing this now. <laughs> we're going to get phone calls. Um, but it worked. And it was, yeah. it was, uh, um, I'm so happy you showed up because it's just one shot. He just made it into one shot. But how could we not if he wanted to do it? He was like, yeah, I'll totally do this. I'll lay down. You just have blood squirt out of my leg. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, so, yes, that's the story of him. <laughs> now, uh, when you wrote the first one, had you plan? It, it seemed like you had planned on a second one, but not quite a third one. Or did you always have it planned as a trilogy? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, good answer. <laughs> uh, so, um, so the second one. So, so the the order of the movies uh, for those of you listening for the first time: uh, Ninjas vs. Zombies is followed by Ninjas vs. Vampires, and then Ninjas vs. Monsters is essentially. Um, we don't say the old Universal monsters; we say the old public domain monsters. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, there's not a wolf man; he's a werewolf. Yes. Um, please don't sue me. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, so um, 
when we finished the first one, uh, Lord knows if we were ever going to do anything else ever again. Um, but we uh, we decided um, when we were shooting, there's a main character in the first one who becomes a vampire for the rest of the series. Um, and while we were shooting uh, the scene where she'd been kidnapped, we decided it would be great to pour a bunch of blood in her mouth. Um, later on, we pour a bucket of blood on her head, and the second yes. one is awesome. Poor Carla. <laughs> and I think she was pregnant then, too. <laughs> um, I... I um, but we decided kind of at the last minute to go, what if that did something? Mm -hmm. um, so after she does that in the first one, she gets into a stairwell and she looks at the main character and she goes, I feel different. And then she turns around and we just added a shot that we hadn't originally planned of her killing a bunch of zombies. Like she runs toward them and then she walks away from them and they're in a big pile and she pulls a sword out of them. And something has changed. You find at the end of the first one, she's a vampire. Ah! Here's a funny story. Yeah. Um, so I said that I we wrote the movie so I could act in them, and then I cast myself as the main character, main bad guy, Eric, and then I found somebody else who was better than me, and I cast him instead. Um, but I still really wanted to be in it, so I cast myself as Nosferatu uh, sure. at the end of the first one, um, and I did such a terrible job, <laughs> such, a t and 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 I've been in films, I've been like I've done a movie, I may have been in movies you've seen, but but. When I directed myself, I was just terrible. I was <laughs> bad. I was so bad that we went back and we um, we went back and we got another actor um, who I had who I had worked with um, before and and who I knew could do it to do a totally different take um, against the footage that we had already shot. Um, uh, the woman in that scene is actually my wife. Um, and. And so that's what we did. We took me out of the first one. I got rid of myself, except at one point where I'm sort of taunting people in the theater, and that's it. That's all I get to do. I get to I, I get to get be the first one killed in a movie theater. Um, but it was like that scene at the end. We kind of meant as a joke, and then we were like, well. What if well, anything comes of this? And luckily enough, we got distribution on the first one, and we were we were you know we were all over the country, and we were in like video stores when they used to have those, and we were, you know, we we were all over the UK for a little while in a movie called. If any of your UK listeners are listening and they watched a movie called Zombie Contagion, and they're like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> we didn't name that. <laughs> that was not our choice. Because um, they're like, there's no contagion in this movie at all. <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, no, we decided when it was done. We said, well, we kind of laid the groundwork, so let's go ahead and make another one. Let's make Ninjas versus Vampires. Awesome. And and then you do get to Ninjas versus Vampires. And now, did you have a a, a bigger budget for it? It seemed like you put it. There was a little more behind um, Ninjas versus Vampires, which is what you want to see as a trilogy goes on. Some kind of things upped a little bit. Uh, did you did you have some backing from Kickstarter or anything, or was it still Visa, MasterCard, American Express? So here's the fun thing about vampires. This small, little-known fact I'm sharing with you, probably not for the first time, but I'm going to say it because then it feels exclusive. Um, ninjas versus vampires cost less than zombies. Oh, really? Yep. Nice. Um, uh, what we had was uh, a little more clout, and that got a little, a little more interest from people... Um, in the area, um, I didn't just go to my friends this time. Uh, the two new people, we we held. Uh, I mean, we held genuine auditions the first time around too, but we didn't have that many people show up this time. Everybody knew who we were. 
So we got a ton of people who showed up, and uh, and we got uh, Jay and Devin, uh, who play Aaron and Alex, uh, the two main characters in Ninjas vs. Vampires, and who are who are now married. In oh, real are life. they really? Oh, wow. <laughs> as 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 are Cole and Lily actually married <laughs> yes. in real life. Um, so uh, so they uh, we got them and they came in the the audition. They kind of blew us away, and we we had never I'd never met or seen them before the auditions. Um, we also got some people um, in uh, who would a more of a peripheral role. We got um, Brian Anderson uh, doing our visual effects um, on on vampires, and we'll talk more about him at, when we get to monsters. Um, but uh, he came in. He was doing more. He did more design on on the costumes. Liz Burgess, our our executive producer, came in, and she brought a whole bunch of people who did stuff. Plus, she designed costumes. Uh, we were talking about my my wife's brother who played Larry who designed like the Manson costume. Um, we just and the list goes on. I mean, I could just I could just name drop people that no one that you guys don't know um, all night. But the point is that a lot of people came on who had heard of us and right. decided to come be a part of it and give their enormous talent to make it look like it looks like like it's four times as expensive. I mean, it really does. It looks, it looks way, it looks way more expensive than zombies. Um, the makeup's better. The effects are better. The fights are way better. We lost Arthur to the Pennsylvania Renaissance Festival, like I said. So, uh, PJ and Daniel Mascarello um, came in, Dan, who played Fitz in the first one, and then turns around and plays Manson in the second one and kills his <laughs> he'll kills his wife from the first one. <laughs> Um, uh, so uh, Manson is actually Fitz from the first one. Sure. Um, uh, and uh, and we got just and actually uh, the bishop, the guy in the mask, that's actually yeah. Eric. Eric from the first one. Oh, that is. Yeah. yeah, that's him behind the mask. And 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 Max Maximilian, the the Austral the pseudo Australian guy. Uh, uh, right, hello, that guy. Um, that, that's actually Herman from the first one. Oh. Okay. Um, um, so it's just like we we reuse people and just put them in totally different roles in masks and weird hats. Um, I uh, so, uh, the costuming for your for the second one for vampires was impressive. I, I that really stood out for me. I was like, wow. I mean, they really they really stepped it up with the costuming, especially with the uh, the bishop and the uh, the the group of vampires, the kind of cult vampire, the the, the monks of Trangtor. Yes. The monks of Trangtor. Uh, Trangtor was so when I was when I was in high school, a friend of mine wrote a screenplay. Uh, my fr my friend Joey wrote a screenplay called The Chosen, and the bad guy was called Trangtor. And I always thought <laughs> it it was such a silly name. And I, when I got the chance to put it in. It was something that only would make me laugh, but it made me <laughs> laugh. Um, but yeah, in in answer to the costumes, yes, a a lot of that has to do with Liz. A lot of that has to do with um with. Mike, who played Larry and Liz Burgess, um, who is one of the the, the gun shooting vampires, um, she she is our executive producer um, and just just rocked it. And then and Brian did uh, just a ton of people, um, and the effects were up; they were better than the first one um, in that I did fewer of them. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, the, you know, Ninja vs. Vampire is a weird is a is a weird thing for me. Um, mm -hmm. Can I be honest with you guys? Sure. By all means. Can I give you guys the real dirt? Go for um, it. Uh, ninjas vs. Vampires. I love Ninjas vs. Vampires, um, but it's a hard watch for me sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, because it's a, it is, of the three movies, it's the most serious. It's, right. It, it, is, it takes itself very seriously. It's, it's sad. It's a sad movie sometimes. Um, 
like like when main characters die, it hurts. You know, the my favorite fight in the film is between two people who are absolutely best friends and not kidding. Um, really? <laughs> like, well, the, when when the two two of the ninjas go at it, when yeah. they're basically mm-hmm. dealing with the loss, and they just beat the shit out of each other, and and we did that day, and everybody was angry that day. Like mm-hmm. everybody was angry that day. I was angry. People were angry at me. We were screaming at each other, and then I was just like, action! Just fucking do it. <laughs> um, and, um, uh, and and it. It it worked out. It was a great scene. You can feel the emotion in that scene. You can feel the catharsis at the end of that scene when they're sitting down. Um, I, so Vampires is, is it's my least favorite one to watch when I'm in just like a regular mood, but it's you know, it's the Empire Strikes Back of the thing. You have to go to a darker, weirder place, I think, in in the second one. Um although which is not to say it's not a comedy too, because it is, but it's I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you, do you agree? <laughs> it as was people who, as people who didn't make it. What do you think, <laughs> Don? It, it is definitely more serious, and it definitely goes to a much darker place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You, you got you. You have got... the, the Spike Buffy thing going on. <laughs> what? What? No. For for <laughs> for anybody who's watching, I don't know if anyone's watching. No, the people who are hearing, they'll never be able to see this. But check this out. I'm actually pulling out. Ready? Are are we are we Buffy fans? Are we all Buffy fans here? Of course sure. we are. Yeah. I have the Anya puppet. Oh. <laughs> it's really Anya, and she's really wearing a bunny suit. I just thought I would. Uh, <laughs> I have toys. Um, yes, and look, I'm showing you guys like the worst podcaster ever. But look at that. That is in fact the Spike and Angel puppet right over there. Oh, oh that is awesome. Right right Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Um, in a director chair of all things. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that, that was, and, and yes, I'm a huge Buffy fan. I was trying to make my Buffy movie, uh, that time. If the first one was really trying to be, uh, Kevin Smith meets the evil dead, that's what Clerks was or what mm-hmm. that Clerks was. That's not at all what Clerks was. That's what, uh, zombies was. Mm-hmm. But I was really trying to make my Buffy film with, with ninjas versus vampires just because it was, it was something I always wanted to do. It was something that I loved. Um, but in watching it, um, if I'm not in a particular, if I am in a particular mood, it's my favorite. But if I'm not in that mood, it's it's hard for me to sit through because um, it's it's dark. That's it issues. Is, it was it was dark, but uh, you do have your lighter moments because you've got Daniel Ross in there. Oh yeah, there's always Daniel, um, who who says it, my. It's funny. His best line ever is in Zombies, where he, he says to somebody, he "Goes, you're an asshole and a piece of shit." So fuck you up, your asshole. Which is to say, fuck you up, asshole you, where piece of shit you live. <laughs> and never have I been more proud of, of being a writer. Um, I think I've touched something profound or profane. Um, so yeah, so we got to the end of, of Vampires, and we were really in a, in a sort of in a pinch, because we wanted to do another... At the, by the time we finished Vampires, we knew we were going to do a third one. We said, we're going to finish that. It's going to be a trilogy. Um, and, uh, and we got to the end of it and we couldn't figure out what we're going to do next. And we had a list. There was a long list of, could it be this? Could it be that? Could it be this? At one point it was going to be robots. Um, (laughs) uh, and, and, and Brian, who was doing all our, our effects, uh, came back with one model of how it could be done in all CG. And we're like, yay. And then he said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm (laughs) I'm just showing you that I could do it. But I'm not doing it. Um, I, and so we finally settled. Um, 
uh, and we settled before we shot on the idea of what if pulling the strings behind all of like all the evil, all the all the things that you would see, and all this uh, like all the episodes that you didn't get to see, and that was important to us to get the idea that these guys have had these adventures that you also didn't get to see in between movies, um, right? And that you're just checking in on this episode. So sometimes things change and we don't explain them. Um, like things just kind of evolve and you just have to go, look, it, it, I've missed a few episodes and I'm catching up, but I know enough to, to move on. And we always wanted to get that sense of time passing. Um, and, so, and so we said, what if all of that was being orchestrated by the, by the monsters that our parents grew up on? Mm-hmm. What if they were the ones who were making all of it happen? And so we had one scene in Vampires where we added it again, where we had the bad guy go, I will overthrow the old ones, which, of course, he dies. Um, <laughs> and then we had uh, another one go, I will report to the old ones. So I had these two references to the old ones. Mm-hmm. And then at the very end of, this, uh, of the movie, we're in, we shot it all, that, all that stuff in my old house. Um, they're having Halloween, and they open the front door, and at the front door is the werewolf and Dracula and the mummy and a witch. Yeah, and and uh, and Frankenstein, and they're all there, and then a character comes back from the dead with no explanation, which you won't get later, and we'll talk about that because <laughs> these are monsters is my favorite to talk about. Um, uh, and uh, and yeah, so that was we we decided we're going to do ninjas versus monsters. <laughs> I I have to ask in. Uh... In vampires, though, uh, the the girl who was the um, main vampire sidekick, I, I'm horrible with names, but... Her, her, oh, her real Christmas. name is Elizabeth, Elizabeth Christmas. Yes, Chris, Elizabeth Christmas, thank you. Um, I was trying to remember her name. Uh, she seemed to channel a little bit of Harley Quinn on it. I, I, I loved her performance. It was just... It was just wild. Was she kind of going for that, or...? First of all, Liz is, is, a, is, is not creepy at all, but is a little <laughs> bit like that. Like she's really she's impish. Her her her, and she's in the she's in the Trekoff movie. Um, we did. We're I'll talk about Trekoff when we get to the end. But she's you get to see her as her because it's a documentary. Um, but uh, but we wrote Lorna. The character's name is Lorna to be um, like this very. We actually had a different actress in mind. Um, and this has happened a few times. Uh, where we like we knew who we were going to get, and we um we were auditioning people just kind of just because we should. Right. Um, and the person we were going to get had long, flowing black hair and, you know, you know very tall and sleek and very buxom, big boob, um, and just very kind of Elvira-ish. And in comes this little elf girl. And she's <laughs> totally, totally different. And what I wrote on the page for the sides, and when you're auditioning, the things you're reading is called sides. And, and, and what I'd written in the sides were... For the 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 you know swinky girl, and she comes in and she reads it like this, like like she's a hobbit, <laughs> and, and 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 just blew us all the fuck away, and we were like, oh my gosh, and we we all had to go out to dinner and go go the entire character is different, like I have yeah. to rewrite the script. Um, just like I did for for um, Aaron and Alex a little bit too, because they were not the people I originally had in mind. Um, so some of these people came in and they really won it. They like they really like they came in and they earned their place um, by subverting the expectations I had. And then the case of of monsters in some cases, absolutely meeting the expectations I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would be re- re- I would be remiss if if I 
didn't also call out uh, Major Domo. Um, who, per, first of all, Major Domo is an actual word, but uh, I always took it from the character from the X Men comics, who always held Mojo. If you ever read the X Men comics, because um, <laughs> see, when there's Longshot, Longshot came from the Mojo verse. No, um, so nobody gets what I'm saying. Like you guys, I, I just watched Mark. <laughs> Mark's face just went like, "What the fuck is he? Why is he? Joking? Why is he joking so much?" <laughs> I haven't followed many comics in ages, so. Um, but uh, but yeah, the Paul who who pulled off the sort of sleazy used car salesman, uh, in in Major Doma, it just we we got the big bad very I'm gonna be the bad guy super muscle man, um, who's the nicest guy in the world and is a, and is a helicopter pilot, and thought it would be funny when we were doing one of our big action scenes to fly over with his helicopter to show his friends and totally ruined a day of shooting. Um, <laughs> Um, uh, and then we had her come in and she was not what I was expecting and then Major Domo was a much darker character and was kind of became a used car salesman and just like everybody was was bringing, a, bringing their A game even if, if I was planning for baseball and they were planning for hockey <laughs> that's all I know about sports it just, just exhausted my sports mind. it seemed to work though it worked well I will say <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just I loved. Her. I got a kick out of her character. Definitely was was one of those where I was like, "Wow, she just is totally into it." But everybody seemed into it. I think that's what where that heart still comes in. Even in uh, vampires, everybody really knows what kind of film they're making, and everybody still sold it well. I thought because sometimes you get it where people either don't get the film or they realize what film they're in but don't put forth their effort. But everybody really seemed to put their all in their performances. Well, I think I think one of the things, again, being a fan of Joss Whedon, um, is that I feel like you need to deliver the B-movie schlock and the jokes, and I feel like when you're in the middle of the schlock and the jokes, that's the time to punch somebody in the fucking stomach. Um, <laughs> and I do it in all three films, and mm-hmm. I do it really brutally in, in Vampires, where suddenly the movie's not a joke. Suddenly, yeah. the jo- the jokes you were watching, and you just had the funniest scene in the movie, and we cut to this thing, and it's it's somebody dies horribly brutally, and then as that's happening, the three main characters who don't know what's happening raise a drink and toast her. It's, right. <laughs> it's that's, fucked up. Yeah. I really need therapy. I really do. There's something really wrong with me. That 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 is one of the dark, probably darkest points of that. Uh of that film was when that happened. And uh, I will say, yeah, that surprised me. You did keep me on my toes, which was a good thing. Uh, I always like when a movie isn't as predictable as you might think. Oh, wait till uh, we get to uh, monsters, because <laughs> cause, cause I kill everyone. Uh, but we'll get there. But uh, we'll get there. But, uh, yeah, with, with vampires, I, I will say that I could see the improvements. I enjoyed the changes of the characters. Um and again, I, 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 if you don't mind me saying, I still have to say that uh, Daniel Ross is just my favorite. <laughs> still, in, in, I, I, I really enjoy that character quite a bit, and the fact that he had the whole uh, Neo Matrix or kind of look to him and keep pulling guns out. Well, <laughs> yes. that's, that's so. So okay, um, are you fans of Highlander at all? Of course. Yes. Highlander the series in particular. 
I, I've watched a number of episodes of the series. I never got a chance to watch the whole thing with Adrian Paul, but... So the funny thing about Highlander the series is that it's if you haven't seen Highlander, it's a bunch of guys who fight each other with swords. So there's other stuff to it, but you need to know that. Um, uh, these guys walk around in long coats, and they sit down on buses, and they go on plane trips, and they they walk around, and sometimes they make out with people, and they go do they ride horses, and then inexplicably, suddenly and magically, they pull katanas completely <laughs> unsheathed out of their coats. I, I was going to ask, what is with the running gag of Daniel Ross constantly pulling out these ginormous guns out of nowhere? Know. It was totally based on Highlander, because I always <laughs> thought it was the funniest thing in the world that 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 the Highlander could always wear a long coat, and it didn't matter what he was doing two, two seconds before, if he needs to pull a giant-ass katana out of his coat, sure, why not? And so, so in the first one, it was just an Uzi. It was like he just had right. an Uzi, and then and he and he said, "Always come prepared." And we just kind of like made it grow and grow and grow. So by the last one, it's a giant laser gun. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 people are honestly just go looking at me while we're shooting, going, "Really?" And I'm like, "Yeah, totally. Why not?" <laughs> Even in the most serious moments, this has to happen. Oh. Well, that, that's what I loved about it, keeping it on your toes. I mean, you had a dark moment, you had a serious moment. Shots are firing. It looks like the, the end is dire. They're all hiding behind a wall, and all of a sudden he just pulls out this really big gun out of like, nowhere. I know. Why not? Well, and, and, and when we get to Monsters, I'll talk about the scene where he, where he pulls out the blaster because that scene is really silly if you think about it. But we'll get yes. there. We'll get there. So, we'll we'll get moment. there. So. So uh, Vampires gets done, and and you got distribution for Vampires as well, but it was through a different company, correct? Or was it through the yes. same? So, yeah. So, um, um, why do I say? Um, but, <laughs> so when you're distributing films, sometimes they things go well, and sometimes they don't go as well. And some people are honest, and some people are, let's say, not. And some people... <laughs> pay you, and some people keep the money that they're supposed to. Now, I'm not going to say who did what, um, uh, but having not said who did what, I will say the people who distributed Ninjas vs. Vampires were very honest, mm -hmm. and they were fine, and you can take that to me. Right <laughs> I've heard some horror stories from uh, indie filmmakers about distributors. So. You know, breaking breaking glass. So that's first of all how we got hooked up with uh, with um, our distributor in the UK and throughout the world is um, is Left out in uh, out in London, and they're amazing. And Helen, who runs Left, is is astounding, and she's really pushed us. She put a trailer out that got like I think I think it's up to like nearly two million views, mm -hmm. and she like like she has like she has we've done much better in the UK than we have in the United States. We like we're in like their version of Walmart. We're in store like they, like like it's a legitimate. It's more legitimate there, I guess, than it is here because I guess here there's so much. Sure. Um, uh, and they have a different sensibility in the UK, and I think it 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 makes sense that I watch a ton of shows from the UK. Um, uh, Stephen Moffat, I love and hate you both. Um, yes, I think a lot of people do. So. Um, um, I hate you, and yet I watch everything you make. Um, and I hate you because you made Doctor Who, but I really like Sherlock. Um, and I love Doctor Who, so I don't even know why I said that. Um, I love Doctor Who while I'm watching it, and then when the season's over, I want to bitch about it so badly. <laughs> you're, um, talking to, you're talking to two Whovians here. Oh, so, am uh, I wrong, though? Am I wrong, though, <laughs> that when the season's going on, you can't 
nonstop, loving it. And then when the season's over, you're like, motherfucker. I don't like Matt Smith. He was, he was always shitty. It doesn't matter that I cried when he did stuff and he gave really good performances and him and Amy made me weep. Now they're bullshit. Um, <laughs> it doesn't matter that I came home early every day to watch it. Um, sorry. Um, okay. I, get, I get angry sometimes. Um, <laughs> Uh, but uh, no, we had a really good experience with them, and then uh, and then Breaking Glass uh, put us out in the United States, and they they got us on Netflix, and that's how so many people got to know us. Uh, a lot sure. a lot of people saw Vampires first because it was on Netflix, and they could and it would be an impulse buy, and you go, oh yeah, sure, I'll check this out. Um, uh, we got some of our nicest mail from that, and some of our meanest, because um, the internet is a, a scary place. <laughs> it is a very scary place. Um, <laughs> where people go to bitch about movies and share pornography with one another. <laughs> Everyone's um, entitled to their opinion, and the internet lets every opinion be known. That's <laughs> um, why um, someone once said, "Opinions are like assholes. Fuck them." Um, <laughs> um, sorry, I'm really gross tonight. This is what happens when I drink whipped cream vodka. Um, <laughs> but it makes it fun. So yes, we got distribution, and it was. Um, uh, not a, we didn't see a ton of money um, mm -hmm. from it, um, but that's okay. People got to see it. We made our money back, which was the first time that we had done that. Um, uh, people are, as a matter of fact, this, like this week, we're sending out the first checks to the people that you asked if they volunteered. Everybody thinks they did, and yet there are people <laughs> who are getting checks this week. Well, that's uh, awesome. Our, so that's, I mean, that's happening. So um, we're super happy with them. We ended up going with someone else for the third one, um, just because they were not really doing the same. They like they have gone into more artsy films, and they're not doing as many. Excuse me, as many horror films as yes, I just burped. So, um, <laughs> and so we ended up going with Uncorked the third time around. Um, but we still have a really good relationship with them. So yeah, they they got the movie seen, and because so many people saw it, we had enough fans to do a Kickstarter, and that's how we did the third one. Awesome, and and with the third one. Also, you get a rather uh, known name attached to it as far as executive producer goes. Yes. Uh, the, the, the godfather of found footage films. Uh, <laughs> how did that come about? I, I have to ask. Cause it, I, and it was a good thing, but I was surprised. I'm like, holy wow. I'm like, okay, they got, they got some real uh, meat behind this one in uh, Ninjas vs. Monsters. How did, how did Eduardo Sanchez get involved? Allow me to reveal my meat to you. Um, now, everybody, raise your raise your glass. Can I see yes. your glass, Mark? Can I see your glass, John? I have my video on, but it's up, I promise. All right, great. So Daniel Ross, um, <laughs> um, I, I, Eduardo Sanchez made The Blair Witch Project takes place in Burkittsville. Um, interestingly, Burkittsville is like 40 minutes from me. Um, uh, interestingly, uh, Ed's even closer than that. Um, uh, <laughs> Daniel... Um, called him. <laughs> Just called him. Just called him and called him. Called him while we were making zombies. So if you actually watch the closing credits, uh, he's listed as a as a creative consultant. Oh, and then sure. in, in vampires, he's a creative. He's like a, a like something like an associate creative producer or something like that. Um, but mostly what he did in the first one was give us a bunch of advice. In the second one, he mo he like watched the film once and gave us some advice. Um, uh, in the third one, uh, we went to him up front, and we were like, you know, we knew he liked the first two, and we knew that he wanted to help people out. And I, you know, let me tell you something about it, because I've, 
I've had um, my experience both as an actor and then now that I've been in the business on this side with, uh, with some people who are higher up. I will say this. I had an email exchange with UA Bowl once. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, which was interesting. Um, I bet. Uh, he was... He definitely sent an email, and and friendly is a word you could use, but I might not. Um, uh, but I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'm sure he was just having a bad day. Um, uh, but like, Ed was like, sure, let's go get burritos. Like totally, that was it. That was like, let's go get margaritas, and that's what we did. Like, and so here we are. This is before we made zombies. Um, just going, going, shit. We're gonna go out with the guy who made the Blair Witch Project. What? <laughs> Yo, is is this happening? Um, what we know now about Ed, because like he's no longer that he is that guy and he'll always be that guy, but he's a friend now. Right. Um, and and that's just how the guy is. He's like he's a total mensch. He's just that he's a nice guy. He supports filmmakers. He doesn't just support us. Um, people need advice. He'll talk to them. People want to hang out with him. He'll do it. Um, he is uh, he is so interested in investing in the community here um, in the D.C. and Baltimore area that that it's astounding. Um, he is just not, in, he's not interested in just going, I made Blair Witch and I made Lovely Molly and I made Exist and I'm not going to talk to you. He's like, he, he, he will do a huge giant screening and then stick around and talk to the most random fan for an hour. Sure. Um, that's the kind of guy that Ed is. Mm -hmm. So in retrospect, it's not surprising that he was willing to come on and help us. At the time, it was mind, fucking mind blowing. Sure. Like what that really? <laughs> like um now that we know him, um and he I look, I I'm sure that he doesn't want me to say that he would do it for anyone because then everybody would call, hey, do it for me. Um I uh, uh we you know, we took three films to build a relationship with him, um, and that was important and we you know, we took our time and, and made sure that he knew that we weren't like just trying to glom onto him. Um and the third one he had some creative input to make. He he saw the script beforehand, he saw the first two cuts of the film, he told us to make cuts, huge cuts in the first one. He said, This film should not be two hours and twenty minutes long, which <laughs> At some point, I'm going to like just kind of secretly release out into the world the two, <laughs> two hour and twenty minute long version of Ninjas vs. Monsters, because um, it's long. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have anything else good to say about it except that it's long. There are some very nice performances, and uh, none of the scenes are necessary. Um, uh, but uh, he was he was great. He came on board, and between us being on Netflix for vampires, which got us a lot of fans, and between him coming on board and getting us a little bit of respectability, we were able to raise all the money we needed to make uh, Ninjas vs. Monsters. Which, it, it looks like uh, every penny was well spent with Ninjas vs. Monsters, because you, you really upped the game. And again, I, I said this in, in my reviews that it's something that you want to see in a series, is you want to see improvement, especially in indie film, and you can see that in each one. Uh, where things get improved, uh, editing everything, uh, to where you get ninjas versus monsters, which, in all honesty, rivals uh, a number of modern-day horror films I've seen, uh, as far as how well it's put together in production look and, and everything about it. Uh, one thing Thank that you... you you're welcome. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention with ninjas versus monsters, and you touched on it before, was when it opened, I did have that what-the-fuck, is going on. <laughs> like you're welcome wait, he he's there he's there but i didn't mind and, and i like that that's what and, we were hoping for that's exactly and, what so i'll let you finish but yeah go on, go on no i just i was going to say i 
I caught what you were going for, and that was a good thing because I've I've mentioned it before on other episodes and other shows, and just talking to people in general that uh, Hollywood has uh, created the dumb, not dumb, but the thinkingless uh, viewer in which they don't think. Everything's spelled out for them, and you didn't do that. Uh, and I, I wanted to mention it to you that I was glad you didn't because I think films do that too much. Uh, I'm not sure what your opinion is on that, but I think, I think a lot of horror films, especially modern ones, lay everything out way too much for people to where you and don't have to think. I think that, that first of all, thank you. That's, um, I don't know if we, you know, I, I watch your reviews of our films and I would like, like, what movie? I showed my wife and she, she's like, what movies did he watch? <laughs> did, did somebody else put out movies called Ninjas vs. Monsters? <laughs> this guy thinks they're really good. No. Um, uh, we, so we, we knew a few things. We knew that this was the last Ninjas that we were doing. Uh, we knew that we wanted, uh, Daniel Rasback, of course, he was already alive again, and so there was no reason not to bring him back. Um, we knew we wanted um, uh, Eric and Randall back because Dan Guy, um, he's he, he, Randall is in Vampires as the Man Guy. Yeah. Um, uh, his real name is Dan Guy, and his character name is Man Guy. Uh, <laughs> that's that's how little thought we put into it. Um, but we knew that we wanted them back. Um, just because we love those guys. We want them to film, and they were great energy. We also knew that we wanted uh, Monsters to be absolutely a sequel to Zombies as well as a sequel to Vampires. And we felt like like where we ended Vampires, it would be very hard to go back and make us something that was also a sequel to Zombies. Um, writing a third part of these films is very tricky in that um, you have to assume that 50% of your audience has seen the first two films, but we also know that we are not giant Hollywood hits, and that the that the people who uh, who see this film have not necessarily seen the first two. Just like when they saw vampires, they didn't necessarily see um, zombies. You can't you can't make that assumption. Um, and so we were like, okay, how do we? Or maybe some people just saw zombies and now they're seeing this. So how do we pay it all off, and yet also have this film absolutely work as the first film you'll ever see in this series? And that was, from a writing standpoint, the hardest part of doing it was the trade-offs. Going, going. I really want to have this happen, but to have this happen, you have to explain why it happened and where it came from. And, and I really want to pay off this thing from, from vampires, but I can't because the people who don't know vampires... Um, I'll give you an example. The end of the movie, mm-hmm. there are... Um, and I'm not going to spoil who it is or why... Um, because everybody needs to go onto iTunes right now when this is done, um, or where, or Xbox or however you like. But we like iTunes because they give us a higher percentage. Um, and rent the movie, or go to ninjasversus.com and buy the movie. So I don't want to spoil the end, but at the end of the movie, there is an appearance um, for literally three quarters of a second of two characters from the first movie that aren't in the second movie, and it's <laughs> one shot. It's one shot of two characters that are in the first movie. Um, and you guys, of course, you guys know who yeah. I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. that shot, which was also the first shot we shot in the entire movie because one of the characters, moved, one of the actors moved out to L.A. and was home visiting for like a weekend. And we're like, I think we're going to put you in a film. They're like, how are you going to do that? And I said, trust me. And we shot <laughs> it. Um, so we 
like I was trimming frames on that shot, going, this shot is a, is a second and a half long. Our fans will love that. But the people who haven't seen the movie won't know it. Now it's a half second long, <laughs> and now it won't be so distracting. But the people who like the movie, they're not getting their payout. So I like it's. It was really hard to balance those two. Um, ultimately, we made two big decisions. One, we made a decision to go ahead and put a montage at the beginning of the film to explain everything and bring it up to speed. Last time on Ninjas vs. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and then the second thing we did is we decided that we wanted to put our characters somewhere. And we wrote out exactly what happened to them. And we know exactly what happened to them. And then we decided we were never going to explain it. <laughs> um, and, we did, and the reason was very specific. Um, my, the worst line, the most terribly written line in all of Ninjas vs. Monsters, I'm going to share it with all of you. And it goes, this is the line spoken by, everybody raise your glass, Daniel Ross. But we died. Or they died. Same as me. And maybe nobody knows why. But I have to imagine it's for a reason. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you get. That's all you get. Three main characters died and totally came back. And that's all I'm going to say. They died and it's got to be for a reason. And that's all you get. I never say anything else. Um, I thought that it would be more interesting to play with the ramifications of them having died than to, like, in a 90-minute movie, I could spend five minutes world building and going back and saying what happened and then saying you have to watch zombies to see how they died and then the explanation of this and here's a five minute story or maybe a flashback that has nothing to do with the central emotional core of the movie and that's boring as fuck so let's not do that let's just get back to fun because I wanted the third one to be a lot more fun than the first one, the, than the, the second one mm-hmm. um, and get back to it now uh, would you guys like to know what happened <laughs> Because, I don't know, Don? <laughs> well, of course. Because, because you see, what happened is that what what happened is that when Kyle was in the ch- and then he ran into he ran into uh, Eric and ch- and they had to battle ch- in order to get out ch- <laughs> and so they came back to life. Does that make sense? Yep. Perfect sense. Perfect sense. <laughs> Um, but we did think, here, here are some things that you do need that you don't need to know but if you watch the movie again if you want to rewatch the movie interesting to know uh, one uh, the character of Randall is absolutely the same guy you remember but he has been magically blocked from accessing any negative emotions because he is the more powerful of the two of them Eric was actually kind of a little bit of a shitty wizard he couldn't do that much but Randall had the ability without even trying to raise the dead he is a super powerful fucking wizard, and and people who haven't watched the movie are like, what the fuck is he talking about? Um, I had a character who came back, and his name was Randall, and he was evil before, and we wanted him, because Dan Guy is naturally funny, we wanted him to be light and fluffy, and we said, how do we do that? We block his access to negative emotion. Now, why does that matter? Because th- once we knew that we were writing the script, it became really interesting to go, okay, well, this guy... What if now he's in all these negative situations? How is he going to process the fact that shit's happening around him? And as the movie goes on, he goes from looking happy to looking confused to looking concerned to by the end of the movie, if, he, if the movie had not ended where it did, he would have become the big bad guy. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Um, because the, little, the, the, the walls in his mind were breaking down. 
Right. As for why you know his brother was evil in the first one, is good in this one. The reason why he was always a good guy, he was only evil when he was raised from the dead the first time around. Right. So, um, so that so like all of that is stuff that we know. We thought it was more interesting to play with the ramifications of what happened than to spend fifteen minutes explaining it. If that makes any sense. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, but, but but now you know exactly what happened. That <laughs> that that Eric Eric when they came back. Randall was dark. Eric cast a, a, a super mega spell on him to block his access to negative emotions and then isolated him from the rest of everyone else by putting him in an enchanted mansion where nobody could find him and expose him to any negative stimuli. That's why they're there by themselves and why it's such a problem when everybody starts coming to them. So there you go, behind the scenes. <laughs> Actually, that was one of the uh, fun arcs I liked watching was, uh, <laughs> the more you know, uh, that was one of the fun arcs watching it with Randall uh, uh, slowly becoming darker throughout the, the film in Monsters. Uh, now with Monsters, where did you come up with the witches? Because I can understand Frankenstein and the mummy and Dracula and all that, but then you had three witches. Uh, well, let, 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 me do, let me do this for anybody listening who, who hasn't watched, and I hope that there are lots of you because that's one of the reasons we're doing this. Yes. Um, we want you to watch the movie. Go check it out. It's only like two bucks. <laughs> I couldn't rent it. And for like, for like 20 bucks, you get a DVD that I'm, I kid you not, there's like five commentaries on there. I'm on all of them. <laughs> and deleted scenes. And deleted scenes and all sorts of shit that you really, really want to see. Um, but not a soundtrack. Um, but not a what? But not a soundtrack. Uh, what's your favorite song? I will, all I will, of them. I will, email, <laughs> I will email you the three Nick Bogner songs when we're done today. That the, would the, be completely the, awesome. The, the, yeah, I will do that because Nick Bogner is an awesome guy. And I shaved him once in Sweeney Todd. <laughs> um, no joke. I played, we were in Sweeney Todd. I played Pirelli and I shaved his face. Um, I was Sasha Baron Cohen. Um, where, what were we talking about? Oh, yes, vodka. Um, I, ninjas versus Monsters is essentially the story of what happens when these ninjas who are started out as regular guys, um, uh, who are not regular guys anymore, they're full-on badass ninjas, uh, uh, run into Dracula, Frankenstein, the werewolf, the mummy, three super powerful witches, and they kind of can't, can't, can't do it on their own, so they join forces with some legitimate, like, other badass ninjas, and they try and fight them. Um, and when that doesn't work, and they realize that it's totally impossible, they kind of go into a Mortal Kombat. Yeah. And whoever wins a Mortal Kombat... Uh, no, sorry, we can't say that. Whoever... Combat with a C... There you go. <laughs> um, uh, uh, gets to um, rewrite reality as they would see fit. Is sort of the plot of the film, um, which is really a weird sci-fi time travel film if you think about it. Yes. Um, that that I the end the, the plot of monsters is so strange, <laughs> um, but really it's an excuse for funny shit and and fights like I promise you've never seen yes. in a micro-budget film. Um, that was really what our goal was, was to, was to raise the bar both for ourselves and for what you could do in a micro-budget film. Um, so that's what the film is about. Now about the witches. Um, one, uh, we, as fans of Buffy, as we said we were, we love the idea of sexy, powerful, large and in charge women. And mm -hmm. that, is, uh, that is something that we really wanted to do. We don't have any... In the first film, we have lots of damsels in distress. In the second film, we have one damsel in distress. 
and a couple of a couple of powerful people. In this film, every woman in the film is the most powerful person you've, you you'd ever want to meet. Um, uh, that doesn't mean they can't be sexy. Everyone's sexy. Have you seen our Dracula? Good lord. <laughs> This guy has abs that go all the way down. His penis has abs on it. <laughs> His penis does sit-ups. It's weird. Um, sorry. I have footage. That was a deleted scene. Um, um, uh, sorry, Sam. Um, so, uh, so we wanted to come up with witches that, uh, that had very, very different personalities and powers. The concept we came up with is that we wanted the, the oldest and arguably most powerful is Cersei. Um, and we wanted her to be the most overtly, almost exploitatively revealed character in that her costume is is essentially only half there. She's half yes. naked in the film. And yet there's absolutely nothing sexual about her. Mm -hmm. There's um, um, Now, in real life, she's super sexy. She's awesome. But we deliberately said play it and she's able to do this she's a dancer she's an acclaimed theater actress um play it absolutely sexless she is just power and part of part of her power is is the sexuality of her appearance but she does not need in any way to be sultry and we want to make sure that was not her at all and i think that we really played it off as revealing as she is by the time you get used to her costume which doesn't take that long she's just a threat mm -hmm. um the other two are much sexier, despite being revealed. And what we wanted to do, uh, w rather not being as revealed, what we did with them is we wanted to take two images of of innocence and absolutely destroy them and make them fucked up. Mm -hmm. So we took we put one in a wedding dress. We <laughs> tore the wedding dress apart. I say we. It's Liz again and her team. Um, uh, took the wedding dress. They burned it. They ripped it apart. They cut it to shreds. And then they put uh, they put her in it. Um, they put Mina in it and made her essentially this shape changing, heartbroken, mind controlling, um, very much what I originally said I wanted Lorna to be like right. like like that and this sort of dark dark witch character. Almost she's almost in her personality your more traditional witch. Um, Samantha's my not my favorite, but but is of the creations is such an interesting thing because she is if you liked Lorna mm -hmm. and you like what Liz did with Lorna mm -hmm. what Vicky did with Samantha is like <laughs> Lorna on PCP um, uh, um, really actually it's Liz Christmas on PCP no that's, I'm kidding it's totally, <laughs> um, but uh, one she could fight she's a black belt She's absolutely a martial artist, so she turns around, she laughs, and she jumps, and then she turns around, and she fucking drop kicks you in your face. And then she changes shape, and she murders you as Kyle. Not once, but twice. Um, uh, it's true. Watch the movie. She just, when I don't know what to do, I have her turn into a guy with a gun. Because um, <laughs> it works when you do it twice. Um, but uh, but yeah, the, that was the idea. Is we had one powerful sort of matron, matronly, overtly sexualized costume, non-sexual witch, and then two images. She's wearing a schoolgirl outfit, mm -hmm. and it's just an image of. But it's all torn up. Um, we were like, like she is the dead schoolgirl that they find on the side of the road. How fucked up is that? That's really <laughs> messed up. In retro, and when we're sitting down thinking it up, we're like, yeah, no, man, we're being artsy. In retrospect, <laughs> I do need lots of therapy. Um, uh, and, and nobody told me no. What's wrong with 
You're enabling me um, with your talent. That was awesome because she was completely in one of the most brutal scenes of the entire movie. Oh, yeah. And, well, in two, if you consider what she does, and what she does is brutal, and then what yeah. happens to her as a result of what she does is also brutal. Yeah. Um, yeah, I well, I, I, I want to talk, talk about that scene, because that scene... Yeah, we'll get there. Um, uh, <laughs> but the monsters were also fun. I also wanted to play with the expectations of the monsters. I, I made Dracula very young. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting, Vlad the Impaler was not an old man. Um... Uh, and I wanted to make him young and immortal, and basically he wants to destroy the world because he's pissed at Twilight. Um, <laughs> it's true. Um, but the concept was, and I really like this, uh, this concept because my wife right now is watching the Vampire Diaries, and I won't watch them with her. Sure. Um, because it's like, it's like, what if they did Buffy but made it shitty? Um, <laughs> you know, as much as I loved Boone on Lost, I don't need to, like, worship him every week. Um, it's true. Um, so... It occurred to me, like, what would happen if, like, what would Dracula think of this? And what if we didn't just say he's Lad the Impaler, but what if he's the, what if he's been immortal? That means he saw all the fucking Bela Lugosi movies. Like, sure. this is a guy who would have loved the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Like, he would have been like, this is awesome. Everybody loves me. Everybody's scared of me. Kids are scared to go to bed at night. I remember, like, there's an old Bill Cosby routine where he talks about, like, like how scared he was of Dracula. Interestingly... Bill Cosby is now scarier. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, he did not fix me this drink. Um, too far? Um, I, but, but, like, but it's true. That's what kids in his generation thought of. Like the way that I thought of Freddy Krueger, or maybe somebody now thinks of you know, fucking Jigsaw. Like, like it was Dracula. Dracula was that scary at one point. And he's not anymore. Like you can't do a Dracula movie scary. The new Dracula movie, whether or not you liked it, is an action film. Mm-hmm. They can't do Dracula as a horror character anymore. Well, what would Dracula think about that? And that was where I started with him. And then the rest of it was uh, Frankenstein was what if, what if Frankenstein's monster got killed and he met Dracula and Dracula showed him that magic had existed but too late and it drove Frankenstein crazy and so he created him, like started cutting on himself and turned himself into the monster. But what would Frankenstein think of today? And I'll tell you, Frankenstein has a Twitter account, and that's where we sat down. <laughs> when Elliot and I sat down at, at, at IHOP, we said, wait a minute, Frankenstein's immortally young, and he's a scientist, and he's a, he's a scientist, and he's into tech. He would be the guy who immediately goes to the technology section of Google News. Like, that's, <laughs> and and he, like, he would love like, the old G4. Like, that, that's what he would be into. So we wanted to absolutely make him contemporary. He watched movies. He dug. He loved being Frankenstein. He just still sure. thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And then everything just sort of evolved out of there. The Mummy, of course, played by Daniel Mascarello, who played Fitz and Manson. <laughs> um, except when he turns into Super Mummy later, and that's when he's played by Kurt, who played Seth in the second one. It's really <laughs> not that original when it comes to it. Um, you guys got to see these movies if you haven't seen it out there in yes. Internet Land. Like, uh, please do. I, I was happy to see the mummy because I don't I don't think the mummy gets enough respect in films. In all honesty, and this one he does. Yeah, this one he definitely does. Our mummy kicks fucking ass <laughs> because because he walks in. Yeah, I we took a lot of uh, you know. Are you Star Wars fans? I assume. You yes. Know Star Wars. I, so, huge. Yeah. So in in Star Wars Episode Two, when Yoda meets Count Dooku, yeah. he walks in with his cane. Walk, walk, walk. 
pulls out a lightsaber, jumps around like a frog, <laughs> going, yeah! lands, picks up his cane, and is like, walk, walk, <laughs> walk. And we're like, what if the mummy did that? What if he walked into a scene? Walk, 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 picks up a bow staff, and just goes crazy. <laughs> Why not? Because it's fun, and he can control zombies. Because, because. Because um, he's a mummy, so that makes sense. You know, you know the thing is, is I, the film's absurd. And the film is absolutely absurd. We absolutely wanted to go, look, we're going to throw the, ch- the kitchen sink in. Don't think too hard about the why, although the why exists and there are reasons behind all of it. Um, we just want you to have a good time. Go, you don't think about the why when you're going down the hill on the roller coaster, except we wanted to make sure that we held on to the emotional truth of the characters and their stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you accept as the MacGuffin that this is the world that you're in, then I think the film's actually satisfying, on a, even on a, a dramatic and emotional level, too. Um, uh, certainly, the film, uh, there's bloodletting in the film. The film has 21 main characters. Um, most of them die. Most of them <laughs> die in the presence of somebody who cares about them. Yes. Uh, most of them die in front of somebody that needs them more than life, and half the time they're killed by that person. Yes. Um, uh, it's... The film is is in its own way. If I would say the first one is innocent and the second one is uh, melancholy, I would say that Ninjas vs. Monsters at times is a very angry film. Mm-hmm. Um, because by the time you're into the third act of the film, the comedy's gone away a little bit. Right. Um, and and we're not just killing people for the sake of killing people. Like we we make it matter to the characters. There are ramifications for what happens. Um, to the point where, like, there are people who are not happy with me because of what I did. There are friendships really? that are there are friendships that are not the same because they're like, oh, you, you just absolutely destroyed my character. Why? Oh. And I was like, because I think the audience enjoy watching it, and I hope they do. <laughs> well, like you said, it, it keeps you on your toes, definitely. Oh, Don, 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 are you there, Don? Yes. I made you a promise that I would talk about that scene. Yes. There's a scene. I'm not going to say what happens, but suffice to say, it's the most violent thing I've ever done in my entire life. Um, one, it's an homage to uh, my buddy Josh, who made um, a film on a VHS camcorder when I was 18 years old. Um, and he shot not as good a version of the scene, because we were all 18, but it's half an homage to that, and half just, like, raw anger and emotion. The yes. reason, the thing I want to tell you about the scene, I probably mentioned this in the commentaries, um, is that I watched this? I watched the movie eventually with my with my stepmother and my father and my family, and in the middle of that scene, my stepmother turns around and goes, "Oh, Justin," <laughs> <laughs> which was the greatest review I ever got, <laughs> I've ever done. I was like, "Yes!" She's mad at me now. <laughs> is that um, is that mostly practical effects in that scene? Um. I think it's all practical effects in this. I mean, I, I, I'm trying thinking. I mean, there's. I mean, no. There's, there's, um, there's a character in that scene who can morph into other characters. Well, yeah, so, but I mean, the, the, particularly the end climax of that scene. The, are you are are you talking about the blood? Yes. The, the gallons, Are you talking about the shot of the blood dripping down the the yes. shot of the blood dripping well, dripping off the thing? Just the- all the blood. <laughs> yeah, I know that. That was so okay. So that scene. Here's a really interesting down in Fredericksburg, Virginia, um, where we shot that and the other scene I want to talk to you guys about, which is uh, a fight between Kyle and Frankenstein. Um, I 
there was this this guy who had this place who's like it's a warehouse and it's this old thing and it used to be this office building and you can do whatever you want to it. And <laughs> so while we were shooting all the stuff with Kyle and Frankenstein on half of it, we sent our crew to the other half with paint. And so the room is a nightmare. Like the room, it like take it like if you take a minute to look at the room, it's like covered in like blood, death, just words all yeah. over the walls, like like evil shit. It looks like I mean it's Manson family Christmas, and I don't mean my Manson. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it is it is it is this this just wickedly evil thing. Except that there is a there is a tricycle in the room mm-hmm. that was already there. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome for that. Um. Uh, um, my understanding is they didn't change the room and they left it as is, and it's in a music video somewhere. Oh, really? Um, it's yeah. also been shot in a, in a music video. Also, listen, you guys, do you guys watch a lot of non-horror indie films? Uh, oh, some, not many, some. but... There's, have you ever, ever heard of the film uh, Zero Charisma? It's about gaming. I've heard of it. I I've haven't heard seen of it, it yeah. But I, if you ever watch that film, there's and I don't even know where this guy got it, and I'm never going to challenge him for putting it on the wall because it was awesome, but there is a... Uh, a British Ninjas vs. Vampires poster in the background <laughs> in one of the characters' rooms. And somebody pointed out to me, I was like, no fucking way. First of all, I could totally sue them. <laughs> uh, secondly, I'm totally not gonna because that's fucking great. Um, but I just thought I would share. Um, made me happy. Um, but yeah, so that we just got to shoot in there and just trash the room and, and have... Two guys, two people who are both martial artists. In this one, you asked, "Are they actual martial artists?" So you get to mm-hmm. monsters, and I said, "I have to come back to it." In martial art, in martial art monsters, the answer is absolutely yes. Mm-hmm. Um, these people are uh, Joey, who is doing all the flips all the time. You know, he is now playing Wolverine in the Marvel Universe live tour. Um, oh wow! Uh, you know, Henry's uh, part of the DC Stunt Coalition. You just go across the board. You know, mascot it helped found the DC Stunt Coalition. Uh, like and even our actors, they weren't martial artists when they started, but they're now three films in, and they trained for the two before and this one. So we're like, most of the work on this film happened in people's backyards, but we, not because we shot there this time, but because we rehearsed there for sure. hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. <laughs> and they would just come to me, and I would they would go, okay, how about this? And I would go, okay, well, get rid of half of it. And they're like, what? I go, yep. <laughs> um, but, the, but the half that we would keep would be just just brilliant so so again a lot of the stuff that you really if you really think about it from a, what a director does standpoint um a lot of the stuff that you really liked in monsters was stuff that other people made that mm-hmm. were not me really good <laughs> choreographers who were with really really good stunt guys doing really really awesome stuff and all i have to do is hold the camera and that's and that's true same with the makeup same with same with the effects um i said i would come back to because i would be remiss if i didn't there are over 180, um, probably more than that, actually, digital visual effects in Ninja sure. vs. Monsters. Um, a lot of talented people worked on them, but the most talented of them was Brian Anderson, uh, who, is, uh, who came on. He designed the logo. We brought him on in Zombies to design the logo. He did a couple effects, did a bunch of them in Vampires, um, did most of them, uh, like 80% of them in Monsters. Um, and then, unfortunately, about a year ago, like almost... Today, I uh, uh, passed away suddenly. Oh. Um, 
Uh, and uh, he was in Vampires. He was the the monster who says "nummies." <laughs> um, uh, and uh, yeah, we were all really shocked about it. Um, uh, I got to tell a story about Brian. Let me bring it down, folks. No, um, uh, the last thing that we went to go see together was uh, Captain America: The Winter Soldier, and sure. we went out together to see it. And he and I, you know, had a very tumultuous relationship. We fought more than not because we were both very creative people, and he had more talent than me. But I had all the power to say yes and no. Um, and that caused problems, um, but we got along, uh, especially at the end. And and he gave me, um, I'm choking up talking about it. He gave me. Um, he was a huge fan of the Nightmare Before Christmas, and he had one of the actual Jack Skellington heads oh, um, wow. from the movie uh, that he had gotten. And he was like, "Listen, I want to thank you for being involved in the ninja stuff, and I want to give you this." And that was the last time I saw him. Hmm. And so I have a little Jack Skellington head next to my bed remind me of Brian, who is now dead, right. and so it's a little weird, it's a little macabre that it's a skull, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. but it's the kind of irony that Brian would love, um, because he was absolutely the first guy to, when we were recording the Vampires uh, commentary, this is great, I was drinking Mountain Dew, but when I drink sodas, I drink them sideways like this, for some weird reason, and it dripped down my chin, and while everybody else is talking, while we're recording the Vampires commentary, he just goes, fail. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only person who hears it, <laughs> and so and so I I I make a point uh, sometimes to the detriment of the other people like Mike and like Corey and like Anna who did amazing and worked really hard on monsters and I give all my focus to Brian, but damn it he deserves it um, and and I didn't tell him enough when he was around so I'm telling him now. Anyway, sorry, sorry to break no. it down. No, not at all. That's that's awesome, and I I'm totally geeking right now that you have actually one of the heads of Jack Skellington because I'm a huge. Nightmare Before Christmas fan myself, so uh, <laughs> and it has a cool story behind it too, and it and it's something that will always remind me of a really awesome dude. That's that's awesome. Uh, Don, did you have any uh, questions? More questions with monsters or? Oh, the coat. The oh, the coat. coat. Yeah, yeah, you were gonna. Yeah. So so just at the end of monsters, all you people who have already downloaded it, and you're waiting for it to download while you're finishing this <laughs> podcast, which I know you are, or you're waiting for it to arrive because you went to ninjasversus.com. And you ordered it there, um, because that's how we get our money, um, so we can pay for it. Um, so the this, the last scene where Kyle, uh, a scene where Kyle battles uh, Frankenstein, there's a point where he not only pulls out a big giant gun, but he pulls out like four guns before it. <laughs> yeah. um, and he pulls out, and it goes incrementally bigger. So he pulls out a pistol, puts it down, pulls out a semi-automatic pistol, throws it away, inexplicably, pulls out a shotgun. Starts shooting the shotgun, and then pulls out a big giant laser blaster, cuz. And here's the the, the explanation for that is this. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Reminded me of a, a Looney Tunes skit. In all honesty, <laughs> well, it's, it, it, it's it's meant to, except that that because of a very dark and emotional and completely not funny scene with Frankenstein two scenes earlier. It's really satisfying. Right, it is. Because like, yeah. like, like, like you want to see these guys fight because you've given... You, given the, and that's really what we tried to do is give emotional underpinnings to the final fights, make them matter to the characters who are engaged in them, and hopefully that matters to the um, So that's Ninjas vs. Monsters. Go get it. Go buy it. Go love it. Go make love to it. Make love while you're watching it. Go to your significant other, turn it on, and say, this is the most romantic movie ever. And... Try to finish making love before the dark scene we talked about because that's <laughs> fucked up. 
<laughs> and you shouldn't be doing that. It's really unhealthy. And unsanitary. Yeah. Now, uh, these have uh, taken up uh, probably most of your uh, filmmaking time, but you also do other projects as well. Uh, and you're active right now in the podcast. You want to tell us about some of your other projects that you got going on? Sure. Um, right now, um, if you have enjoyed listening to me for the last uh, hour or so, um, or hour and a half now, um, you can listen to me do it more. But about Star Trek, um, uh, I and uh, and Alexia Poe, who played the guide in Ninjas vs. Monsters, um, the lady with the axes, um, she and I uh, get together every two weeks or so and uh, do an hour and a half podcast. We've been doing it for a few years now. Um, where we uh, sometimes interview celebrities. We've talked to William Catt and to, uh, to Clint Howard and to other people who have been on, James Ryan, people who have been on Star Trek and stuff. Sometimes we talk to other podcasters. We'd love to have you on sometime if you have something to say about Star Trek. Um, yeah, we owe you. You talk to me. Come talk to us. I, uh, I, I used to be a big Trekkie. My buddy and I wrote our own uh, series of Trek stories in high school. In fact, that's how I met my uh, lifelong best friend. Um, oh, we got to totally get you on. Uh, so, so that's what we do. So what we did is we decided to, um, after doing that for a while and after working hard on Monsters, we were like, well, what if, because um, we started performing live at a lot of conventions. There's a huge convention in D.C., by the way, if you're listening right now. Um, I, I don't know when this is going out, um, but in uh, the weekend of May 30th, there is something called Awesome Con, which is great. And you should go anyway, because Awesome Con, William Shatner and George Takei and the cast of Doctor Who are going to be there, and Karen Gillan, and, and like, like everyone you can think of, like, like people from Buffy, people from everything. Everyone is going to be there. Um, and you should go. And while you're there, you can watch Ninjas vs. Monsters because we're screening there. <laughs> and we're doing Trek Off Live, um, which we have done at uh, like probably 20 different conventions now. Um, uh, so we figured, what if we took a camera and shot it and shot our shows and shot our interviews and go around and interviewed everyone from celebrities to the guy who made the Klingon language to fans and doing cosplay to just like whatever we could find. And what we, what we did is we then branched out and we hosted a Star Trek burlesque show, um, which was totally run by the person who played Samantha. And we wanted, I, like, like, and so there are a lot of ninjas people in it. Daniel Ross, uh, we wax his back and it has nothing to do with Star Trek, but he was having his back waxed and we were like, can we bring cameras? And he was like, yes. So for reasons that make absolutely no sense, that's in the movie. Um, so we're in the process of making Trek Off the Motion Picture. And if you want to see a trailer for it, you can go to trekoff, trekoffmovie.com. And Trek Off is, however, whatever you're using to listen to this podcast right now that you're listening to, you can probably go to however you search for podcasts there. If you're doing it on your iPhone, you just hit store and search. Just look up the word Trek Off, T-R-E-K-O-F-F, and that's our podcast. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Yeah, I used to be a, a big uh, Trekkie myself, so... Uh, I definitely have to check that out. Don, Don was telling me about your uh, podcast before the show. So, do you listen? I, I've listened to a couple. I I may be a slight Trek fan. <laughs> I, I we, uh, a, Jeffrey just, Combs is kind of uh, oh, he's just amazing in everything. Guest geek. <laughs> I, like, did you, I loved him in Gotham. He showed up in Gotham like three episodes ago. I was amazed. I was like, hey, it's Jeffrey Combs. It's Wayun. It's Way. It's Wayun Brunt and Dorian guy Shran. Did you, Did you say you uh, interviewed William Cat? I did. Yes, uh, I've I've got back there my comic signed by Sparks, uh, the Sparks guys who did uh, that. Oh yeah, well we actually interviewed them. Oh, you did. Um, 
Well, it, that, it's that's how we met. So, um, so yeah, the director of Sparks uh, um, came on. We talked to him, and then we talked to uh, Clint Howard. Was in that. That's how we got Clint. That's how we got William Cat. Um, because um, the uh, the opening like newsreel footage that you hear that's going on at the beginning of the movie. Raise your glass. It's Daniel Ross. Ah, of course. <laughs> of course. Um, so, uh, hey, uh, are you guys big Eduardo Sanchez fans? Do you love I'm, Blair Witch and stuff? Have you seen Lovely Molly? Because if you haven't, I, you should. Yes. Let's let's say I didn't quite care for Blair Witch. I enjoyed Lovely Molly a lot more, and I got to sc- uh, see a screener of Exists before it came out, and I, I actually enjoyed that as well. I love Exists. Oh. Um, uh, Lovely Molly. You know how Lovely Molly starts off um, with uh, with a wedding being shot, mm-hmm. and someone's being funny um, holding. Yeah, I'm I'm raising my glass because I know where you're it's, going with this. It's Daniel Ross, Daniel holding, Ross. The, holding the camera and shooting the wedding. Um, and Daniel's everywhere. Here's something interesting. The uh, the you know so in Lovely Molly spoilers. There's a a a woman who who finds a loved one buried and breaks down screaming and crying in Lovely Molly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like one of my best friends. That's her <laughs> name's Tara, and she, I like had a giant crush on her in ninth grade. And like and like, she played Cinderella when I played Cinderella's Prince in Into the Woods in tenth grade, and like and we're still friends now. And we run into each other. I ran into her because I was there with uh, Ed. Invited us to come to the Lovely Molly screening, and she was there. And we we're like, oh, hey, <laughs> you're in this. <laughs> um, so it's just funny because she and I are sort of destined to run into each other. So that's another funny thing. <laughs> And you you said your uh, co-host for your podcast was the guide. I that was one of my favorite new characters in Monsters was was the guide. Uh, well, what was fun about writing monsters in general, both especially with the guide and with Randall's, because I knew these people now. Sure. So so like it was easy for me to write for Daniel because Daniel's my best friend. Um, uh-huh. But uh, but now that I had all these other great friends, I can write in their voice. And and writing her was really easy because Don, if you've listened to Trek Off, the guide is pretty much Alexia, um, um, except that she is like she's also this astounding. She I, I watched her do Nurse Ratchet and Cuckoo's Nest once. She's like this astounding actress, but I just wanted to write her playing her, and she does a great job doing it. <laughs> yeah, she was a she was a lot of fun. I I like the playfulness of her character. Hello, <laughs> definitely a little unexpected. So. Uh, well, I think we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, you can stay in the line, but we're going to, uh, I think, going to stop the recording here. Why don't you uh, pimp your sites real quick? Uh, I know you mentioned it before, but why don't you mention them just one more time where people can find all your stuff. Okay, listen, guys. Look, I know it's so easy to get to the end of a podcast. I know how hard easy it is. I listen to a ton of them, and I'm like, yeah, I'm totally going to buy that, and then I don't. Um if my crazy voice was annoying, I apologize. The movies are still really fun. And if you really liked my voice, then then talking to me for an hour and a half, you should realize, oh, wow, every character in this movie kind of talks like him. Um, <laughs> uh, it's true. I have, a friend, I have a buddy from high school who watched them and said, and said, you know, it was like I was watching everybody in the world talk like you. Um, uh, but they do it better than me. Um, the Ninjas vs. Trilogy is a ton of fun, but you don't need to see the first two to get the third one. You really don't. Five minutes in, you know everything you need to know. Um, it's fun. Who doesn't want to fucking watch ninjas beat the shit out of monsters? Um, 
Uh, so go on iTunes and check that out. Uh, or if you really want to get into it, the DVD is fucking loaded. So so ninjasversus.com, where to do that. And then, like I said, just look up Trek Off, trekoffpodcast.com, Trek Off Movie to watch the trailer. We got the guy who did the Honest Movie trailers to do our voice for the trailer. Nice. Um, so he's like, once there was a podcast. <laughs> and we actually got him to go, boobs. <laughs> um... Uh, and hey, raise your glass. Who got that guy for us? <laughs> Daniel. Daniel Ross. <laughs> Go look up Daniel Ross just for fun because he's cool. Um, but uh, but trekoff trekoffpodcast.com trekoffmovie.com. And if you're listening to this as a podcast, it's on there. Just go. It's really easy. You're already listening to a podcast. How hard is this? Um, so that's it. And and you guys, man, thank you, thank you for having me on. It's been so much fun. Oh well, glad thank to thank you. Glad to have you on. Uh, Dawn, did you have anything else for our guest? Um, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really, really thank you because this was very exciting. Oh, it's fun for me too. Well, now you guys got to come on Trek Off and, and, you know, let's let's pay it forward, man. I want to hear about you guys and our fans would love to hear from you too. Oh, that'd be awesome. And so, uh, folks, check out all the stuff for uh, Justin. And this is the Spoiler Room. And until next time, remember with the Spoiler Room, the conversation is fresh, though we do spoil the movies.